the Social Minute, the podcast that looks at the social network minute by minute. Today, we will be covering minute 19, which is 18 to 18.59 on the clock. Uh, in this minute, we meet, finally, uh, the third of the three people that would sue Mark Zuckerberg. Or the third of four, I guess, who would sue Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, as we meet Divya Narendra, he brings to the attention of the Winklevoss twins an article in The Crimson, which you can still find on The Crimson website to this day, um, where he asks them how they didn't hear about <laughs> this face mash thing. Um, to which they do the classic Sorkin thing of listing stuff. Mm. Divya Narendra, you know, he, he he kind of details all this, and then I think it's one of the twins who says, this is our guy, which obviously will turn out to be a very big mistake. Mm. Uh, and then before the end of that minute, we jump to the second deposition, uh, the the one that is um, involving the Winklevoss twins, and they uh, tell us their names. And I love as well Cameron spelt the usual way. Probably my favorite like, probably my favorite thing to say to people out of nowhere. Like when people ask a question, just be like, Cameron spelt the usual way. Um, <laughs> uh, and joining me to talk about this uh, minute today is Niall McGowan. Hello, Niall. Hey, Darren. Glad to be back. Not after a massive two to three week break, but literally the day, the day after yesterday, <laughs> of course. Uh, there was no break. Uh, now, it's interesting in the script, here uh, and it's worth saying as well we're on page 25 of the script and we're only 17 minutes into the film uh divya narendra is introduced as a nice looking indian student uh sits down next to cameron and tyler uh in the fortzheimer dining hall and hands them a copy of the crimson mm. to which cameron of course says what's up um now uh it's worth saying of course that, that divya narendra is portrayed by uh max mingela yeah and Max Mingella is a number of things, but one thing he definitely is not is Indian. Um, <laughs> that is th- literally until you sent me this copy of the script, I was like, "Wait, what? Is this a different character?" But he's, "Wait a minute, what?" <laughs> like, I never registered he, he was supposed to be Indian in the, in, the, in the actual movie. Well, now here is the thing. Um, you know, Max Mingella, obviously. Uh, son of uh, the late director Anthony Minghella. Yeah. Um, you know, a director whom uh, I would say some of his films I enjoyed. <laughs> um, not all of them. Um, I mean, I, I remember being like a huge fan of Truly Madly Deeply, um, uh, you know, when I, was a, when I was a teenager when that film came out. Uh, and I really enjoyed Talented Mr. Ripley. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's a you know, that's a, 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 a kind of a great film. Um, I, I mean, you know, obviously he found fame with English Patient, yeah. uh, for which he won an Academy Award for Best Director, um, and also BAFTA for, for Best Direction as well. Um, and then, you know, he later went on to do what I'm going to call his second Oscar bait film, which was Cold Mountain. Mm. Actually, maybe his third, because Talented Mr. Ripley strikes me as a, a bit of an Oscar uh, bait Yeah, I think film. that like, counts. That's very You much know, like it's... Too, there's too many lovely shots of, like, you know cities and stuff like that and like oh yes we're going out to europe like it has a very like yeah this is this is it's at least going for something for cinematography at least of nothing else <laughs> yeah well i mean i think also um you know jude law and gwyneth paltrow in tanted mr ripley are both going for best supporting actor and best supporting actress mm. um if like it feels like when they start doing some of the shouting in that film um you know if it, it feels like they're definitely uh, they're definitely looking for an award for some of that um, and I think, uh, you know, um, 
I think that Matt Damon should have been nominated for Talented Mr. Ripley. It's a, you know, it's a great performance. But yeah, I mean, Cold Mountain, I haven't seen it, um, you know. Uh, and I, I gotta say, I gotta be honest, I, like, it was not a film where I was like, I've definitely got to see this film. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's just one of those films where I was like, it, it feels too Oscar baiting. I have to say, though, I, I, I have seen Cold Mountain. I actually think it's pretty good. <laughs> I would recommend it as a film. Uh, whereas like the, the, the okay. other like his other you know big big hit of the English Patient is now like I use that as like an example of every time you get like a a movie that's got a lot of buzz but you know in like the the two years time no one's gonna remember this film and that's the thing because I remember the English Patient was like huge at the time but nobody cares about it now like it doesn't seem to have stood the test of time with considering like how monumentally big it was back in like ninety five or ninety six. And then nowadays it's like the next generation isn't looking up the English patient. Like they would be looking up like, you know, like Rocky or something like that, you know? But so anything like, for example, even though I enjoyed it as a movie, Green Book, three years time, people will be like, oh yeah, that's right. That was, yeah, it was a movie called Green Book and won Best Picture and stuff. But eh, I don't, I don't think it'll be people clamoring to, you know, do think pieces on it, you know, several years from now, but. Maybe it's just me, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, English Patient actually won nine of its twelve nominations, <laughs> which is a pretty good go. Like, if you're a, if you're a film and you get nominated for twelve nominations, you you come away with nine mm. wins. That's that's not bad going. Like, that's you know, that's pretty good. That's pretty good going um, for for a for a best picture kind of winner. And obviously, you know, did the the traditional best picture, best director, uh, and it also got um, obviously Juliette Binoche got an, got an Oscar for uh, for you know best. Uh, Best actress in a supporting yeah. role, of course. Um, and it, you know, we've got best cinematographer, which just you because know. because of his links to Kristen Scott Thomas too, which is now like she's forever been sullied uh, for me. After on, on Batman, we did uh, the reviews of the Prince movies, and uh, her in uh, Under the Cherry Moon. It's just like, oh my god, that's it. That's just like that. That's going to be a mark against her name for the rest of my life. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you labeled them both as as masterpieces, <laughs> uh, Purple Rain and. Graffiti Bridge, both masterpieces. Under the Cherry Moon, it's a work of art, quite frankly. Every frame is a painting. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Ray Fiennes... I, I, I mean, I don't even know why I'm saying his name like that. I, I don't know why I have given in to the, the pressures of saying <laughs> Rafe. Uh, Ralph Fiennes uh, obviously lost. Kristen Scott Thomas lost. And Antti Minghella, although he won for director, he lost for, you know, best adapted uh, screenplay. So, I mean, the, th- the thing is, if it had won, if it had won those top prizes, if it had won those acting prizes, and if and if it, he'd won screenplay, but it lost some of the other stuff, it would have got the top five, which would have been the first time since Silence of the Lambs that a film would have walked away yeah. with the top five. But, but again, though, like, as an example, like, you know, a big Oscar winner, Silence of the Lambs, people still talk about Silence of the Lambs now. People still want to see it. I they don't do. know anybody who's actively yeah. going, I want to watch The English Patient, because they just seem to have forgotten it. <laughs> maybe maybe there's maybe there's a huge audience for it. Like, it's just outside my realm of like you know people. So maybe, yeah. I mean, you know, there's tons of people who go on about Love Actually every Christmas, and that's a terrible. Oh, I only watched it for the first time um, that last Christmas, and I was really like, this. Mm, I yeah. just and I didn't understand too. <laughs> like I I would go in for years thinking like that scene of Andrew Lincoln with Kira Knightley where he's cut up the cards and stuff must be like the most romantic scene in the world. And then you watch it in context, and it's like, that's what that's about? That's really messed up. <laughs> uh, so, you know, obviously, Max's father had a great career. Um, you know, he uh, he even got a, a posthumous uh, uh, nomination for The Reader, um, you know, after after he died. 
uh, number one, Ladies Detective Agency was like his his last kind of thing that he really did, which was a you know a series with the BBC. Uh, I'm sure they would have done like a second series or whatever if he'd have stayed mm. alive, but uh, unfortunately he did not. Um, now, like I said, you know Max Minghella definitely not um, <laughs> in any way or form no. Indian. Um, and if you've ever seen pictures of like you know the real uh, Divi Narendra. Um, he, uh, he he definitely is Indian. Um, and I will say this about Max Minghella. You know, obviously, this definitely not his choice in any way to do this. Um, but obviously, they uh, they do go for a little bit of um, brown face with him. Um, I, I don't I guess if you don't know that Divya Narendra is meant to be Indian, I guess it's not that noticeable. Mm. Um, but if, if you know how pale Max Minghella is in real life, and you see him in the social network, um, then it's obvious they're doing something to yeah. his skin to make him look a little bit like Divya. The fact that that's gone sort of on, you know, lambas. Like maybe has has anyone ever taken David Fincher or people oh, to task yeah. for that? Or? <laughs> yeah, I think I think when there was the tenth anniversary of the film, which you know obviously was uh, was last year, the tenth anniversary of the release. I'm sure I did see like an article where someone was like, "Oh, it seems like everyone has forgotten this, but Divya Narendra is definitely in brown face yeah. in this film." And I don't know why people aren't giving David Fincher more kind of like stick for it because, you know, like, like it's a fair like. I don't think you know like I think these days they would just cast an Indian actor to play the oh, role. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think they would they would go that route at all. I don't think they'd even. I mean, try. I saw last week there was people complaining about. Will Smith been cast as Venus and Serena Williams' dad because he's not black enough. So like that's the you know that's how times have yeah. changed so much that like oh, now yeah. the, with the mere casting of an actor with skin tones not been dark enough is getting lambasted in the media. Whereas ten years ago, apparently this just slipped by without anyone saying anything. It's like it's only ten years ago. It's yeah. actually kind of crazy. I mean, here's the thing. I think these days, if if um, if Will Smith was to do Ali, he would get the same criticism because. You know, Ali was definitely, you know, uh, a few shades darker than uh, than Will Smith is like. So, like, I, I, you know, I think that would be a criticism today. You know, obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's a good performance in that film. So you can kind of overlook a little bit of that. But, you know, that I think that like skin tone would be an issue these days if, if someone was like, let's make Ali and let's cast mm. Will Smith. They would, you know, someone would kind of complain about it. But, yeah, there is. I mean, I don't think in this scene it's particularly noticeable because obviously that, you know, all of the stuff that's taking place in this dining hall. Um, there's, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I kind of love the cinematography in this dining hall because it kind of, there's like a lot of, um, uh, like natural light in the background that's coming through these windows and it kind of makes, I don't know, it makes it look like a little bit kind of like ethereal. Mm. Um, you certainly get the feeling that it's early in the morning. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I don't know how cinematographers do this, but <laughs> I guess it's to do with the warmth of the light, mm. but it does like... When I, when you're in this like this brief you know you're only in this dining hall literally for this scene for like for like forty five seconds but while you're in there it fi- you feel like it's breakfast and it's early morning and you know like it it feel it like it feels like you've just woken up and you're sitting down at a table with these guys like that's the um, that's kind of like the temperature of the room. Uh, I've got um, that and bizarre thing too with like this breakfast laid out and I, I think it's I always see it always American movies. Um, I don't know if yeah. it's a thing. Maybe it's a legitimate American thing where they have like so many options on the table in front of them. It's like, are they going to eat everything that's there? Because like they've got a, a like a what looks like a good big glass of milk and then a glass of orange juice next to it. 
It's like, you're going to have milk and orange juice in the same meal? Isn't that like... Like, I remember in Heather's, that's one of the things that they were going to... As a prank, they're like, we're going to mix milk and orange juice together and give it to Heather Chandler. And it's like, why would you want to have those two things next to each other? And it just seems so bizarre. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I would have assumed you might have got, like, yeah, maybe a glass of orange juice and maybe a cup of coffee or something, but milk and orange juice together? And then it just looks like they've got a pretty hearty feed. But then every time you ever see, like, a, a, in, you know, a, a, a American films with, like, people sitting down to eat, there always seems to be much more food on the table. That can be conceivably eight at that given point. Well, I mean, you know, given the size of the twins and, you know, what they describe, you know, their day has already been before before Divya has walked in with, you know, all, all it seems that Divya Narendra has done that morning is read the Crimson and then go to get breakfast with the twins. Whereas we've just seen the twins rowing. Yeah. And Cameron says, you know, a three hour low rate technical row before breakfast, a full course load studying, another three hours in the tank and then studying. And it's like... You know, they've got piles and piles of carbs in front of them because obviously that's, you know, that they need it mm. to, to do all the rowing that they're going to do. And I think that like the next, like, <laughs> I mean, aside from the depositions, like the next two or three times we see the twins, uh, you know, obviously there's at least two times where they're, they're, you know, we meet them when they're rowing and then later on we'll see them in the tank and they're rowing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I, I, I know, it, it's always, and then obviously, you know, the final time we see them is after they've rowed in a race. Like, you know, even though even though that looks like a lot of food, um, you know, it, it is um, it is kind of necessary just for them to be able to do what they've yeah. got to do. That, that was one um, of those things. Like, I, again, a testament. Like, I could never be any kind of athlete. Basically, the fact that like yeah, I mentioned that's part of their day is like you know a three three hour low rate technical, and then another three hour in the tanks. Like six hours a day. Of rowing. It's like, <laughs> holy crap. Like, that could not even yeah. fathom that. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, I, that's the same with, like, a lot of athletes, you know. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, here's the funny thing. And I this is something that I, I always love, which is um, uh, when, when the UK got the Olympics, which was, I don't know, when was it now? It seems so long ago. Uh, 2012, was it? I remember the, that awful, awful logo that looked like, <laughs> I don't know, it was... Uh, Terrible, such a terrible logo. Um. Anyway, uh, I think that was a hundred years after the last time we'd had the Olympics, wasn't it? it was like nineteen fourteen was like the last time we'd had the Olympics, um, and uh, we'd won a bunch of medals in nineteen fourteen, mo- mostly because we were one of the only nations competing um, in those Olympics. Uh, but there was a there was a thing where the British team, um, the British Olympic team in nineteen fourteen, they considered training to be cheating. So if you spent so if you spent your time doing nothing but training for the Olympics, they considered you a cheater because <laughs> you that you know you shouldn't be spending and and if you like if you did what that you know that what's being described here of like three hours of training and then you know another three hours if you were doing six hours of training, the, you know the nineteen fourteen British Olympic team considered that cheating. You should not be. You, like particularly because the Olympics are meant to be amateur, and obviously you know uh, uh, these two, these are two Olympians uh, that we're seeing here, and so you know the whole spirit of the the kind of amateur thing is like, yeah, you know, like if you if all you do is spend your life training for the Olympics, you're no longer an amateur. You're a professional. <laughs> you're a professional athlete. So that's not in the spirit of the Olympics. So yeah, a hundred years ago, 
uh, it was considered cheating to do any training of any sort. And, uh, you know, the Olympic... Do you have uh, the, Olympic the results? Of, how, how did that 1914 uh, British team do? <laughs> like... They did really well. They? They did really, they, yeah, they did. They did really well because people who came from wealthy countries that you know could feed their people tended to do better in the Olympics a hundred years ago. No. And uh, you know, so yeah, we, we like we were we were you know quite a good you know country. But then again, like there was only like uh, you know a dozen other countries or something competing. I'm exaggerating for comic effect. No. I'm sure there were more than a dozen, but at the time, you know, it was mostly like the British Empire that were competing in the Olympics. Um, you know, so nobody was kind of beating us, but yeah, like, so a hundred years ago, this kind of thing was considered cheating, but yeah, now it like an Olympic athlete, it's their entire life is just training for the next competition. Um, and you know, that's the same of all professional athletes, you know, all they do is the thing that they're good at, yeah. which is why they end up being better at it. But yeah, I could never do that. No. It's just too much effort, quite frankly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we find out what Divya is excited about. And he tells us that two two nights ago, so we're getting kind of context as to when this has happened, um, a sophomore choked the network from a laptop at Kirkland. And that is that is an accurate assessment. Um, whereas in other minutes, you know, um, in other parts of the film, it is it is described as crashing the Harvard network. Um, you know, it was actually just choking the network. That was all it did. It slowed it down to the point where people could not get online at Harvard and stuff took forever to load. Oh. Um, it's still kind of a ironic though that we're, you know, this won't, um, won't uh, register when this episode airs, but people probably still remember that it happened, but we're recording this like the day after well, the biggest disruption in Facebook occurred with the apparently yeah. near shutdown. Like when we were trying to record with people yesterday in America, we just couldn't communicate with them through Facebook. The whole thing was completely banjacked. So. <laughs> and, and, you know, obviously later in the film, that will be, like, the selling point of Facebook will be they never go down. Yeah, <laughs> until they do. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and of course, that was, that was one of the things about Twitter when people first got on Twitter was the fail whale. Mm. was, like, a big thing. Like, Twitter was constantly going down. Like, it just was not... It just could not ha- handle scaling up. <laughs> Whereas, obviously, you know, Facebook, they, they built that in. Um, but yeah, Divya tells us he set up a website where you vote on the hotness of female undergrads. And then, of course, he's, this is where he says, what were we doing when none of us heard about this? Um, and then obviously, you know, Cameron lists everything. And this is where we start to get some of the subtle differences between Tyler and Cameron. Because obviously Cameron is the one being like, this is what we were doing. <laughs> like, you know, whereas Tyler is the one actually reading the article and he gets to 22,000 page requests. And of course, Cameron is like 22,000. And then, of course, this is where Tyler describes what we've already seen, you know, where he says this guy hacked into the Facebooks of seven houses. He set up the whole website in one night and he did it while he was drunk. And of course, this is where Cameron asks, how did you know he was drunk? And then Divya says he was blogging simultaneously, which is not that difficult. Like, it makes it sound like it's an achievement. Mm. But really, typing up what you're doing a few seconds after you've already done it on a, you know... (laughs) That's not, like, it's not that hard. Yeah. Um, I think we do if you have to, like, wait for, like, loading times and stuff. And you're like, otherwise you're just going to be sitting twiddling your thumbs. So it's like, well, might as well do something else. Yeah. So, and, you know, this is where, of course, Divya says the fateful words, this is our guy. Yeah. Um, and I love the smash cut to deposition. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, at this point, if you're, you know, if you if, if you know, you're watching the film and, you know, if you're, you know, like if you're seeing it for the first time, you're probably thinking to yourself, uh, as is the name of the making of that's on the DVD, how did they make a film out of Facebook? 
And, you know, the answer is the film is not going to be about the making of Facebook. It, you know, mostly it's going to be about the, the events after, you know, the making of Facebook. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we this is for the first time where we kind of get, you know, um, the jump into the different timeline with the with the deposition. Mm. Um and, um, you know, I, I, I just kind of, you know, the it, like I said, I just love the, the kind of the introduction um, where we, we have Cameron saying Cameron Winklevoss and he spells out Winklevoss um, for us. And he says Cameron spelled the usual way. <laughs> um, and and which, again, my, probably one of my favorite lines in the film, because it's just so it's just so like, I, I mean, I know he's got to clarify it, but. They don't have odd first names. It's funny, actually, that we don't get to see Divian Arendra spell his name out. Oh. Because that would be a name that you would expect would need to be spelt out. Oh, they're even talking uh, about, like, how did you first hear about uh, this? The, you know, how did you first hear about Mark Zuckerberg? Like, we met an article in the Crimson while we are in the Fortsheimer dining hall. Like, how do you spell that? <laughs> uh. <Yeah>. P.F. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. So and and of course, uh, you know, this is this is where we get you know Tyler saying Tyler Winklevoss, and I like he he says Tyler spelled the usual way, and my last name is the same as my brother, <laughs> which again is great writing because it's like, you know, obviously for the record they would have to kind of spell it out, but I like how he's he's like, well, my brother's just spelled his name, I'm not going <laughs> to say it again, and it also kind of like you you also get in the two performances of Army Hammer here, you get the kind of the i don't know like one is kind of simmering bitterness and the other one is kind of like anger that's beneath the surface <laughs> and they're, they're two very kind of subtle performances that are just based on saying their own names mm. and like the way that he says you know w i n k e l v o s s like you can you can feel that cameron you know the cameron of the two is like you know is the kind of calmer one and tyler is a bit more of like you know kind of i don't know i just in this entire minute i love the kind of performances that army hammer is giving because we're getting the subtlety between you know the fact that one of them reads the article while the other one talks about what they were doing like they've got different priorities like it feels like one of them is like well you know why is divya bringing this to us whereas the other one is like you know we're, we're rowers that's all we're doing here <laughs> like you know we got into this we got into this place because we row crew mm. and that's what we spend most of our time doing yeah um i'd i'm i almost expect him to say divya you you do know who we are like, <laughs> like you know you'd, like you're our friend surely you understand that we spend most of our day rowing and doing pretty much nothing else like but obviously it's mostly for our benefit that we get a full description of what's going on in uh, in cameron's life. although there's the the the, the... This is something I'm like scrolling through the the minute again though. Like just talking talking about the differences in performances between uh, you know Army Hammer and Army Hammer. Uh, but I do note that like yeah, uh, as uh, Cameron's reading out his or you know spelling out Michael Voss. Now the because he's he is looking at the you know the, the stenographer or whoever you you call that person. But the entire time yeah, Tyler no, is it. sitting just like. From knowing where Mark Zuckerberg is across that table from him, he is sitting staring at him the entire time. <laughs> and then Divya is but next to him, he's looking away. Like he can't even look at Zuckerberg. So it's just it is yeah. quite telling. Yeah, he's like he's gazing at him into Zuckerberg's soul the entire time through this throughout this deposition. The only time he ever breaks is to briefly look over at the stenographer himself. But Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I love that. I, I just love the kind of, you know, like 
um, you know, just like the the kind of subtleties that he brings, and this is something obviously you know that I'll mention more and more as as I go out through through the film because, you know, there are lots of scenes where you you don't you don't identify Tyler and Cameron, you just have the Winklevosses together. And as a viewer, you are expected to figure out as a scene goes on which one is Tyler and which one is Cameron. Yeah. And I, th- I, you know, I think Army Hammer does like an amazing job of, you know, whenever he's giving Cameron, he's doing one performance, and whenever he's doing Tyler, he's doing a slightly different performance, so that even when you watch some of the scenes later on and you don't know which one is which, you you're like, oh well, that's definitely Tyler, and that, yeah. <laughs> that one's definitely Cameron, like. He puts this kind of subtlety between the the two of the, dif- the different kind of twins, so that you kind of instantly get, oh yeah, this this guy's you know one guy, and he this he's he's acting this way, and you know the other one wants to be a gentleman at Harvard, and <laughs> all this kind of stuff, and, you know. So like, I, I just kind of I just kind of love that you know the, the performance that he brings, um, and it's also worth saying as well, you know, Max Mengele, you know, he has kind of the unenviable task. Um, I guess I mean in li- literally in real life of basically having to sit through every single take more than once um, <laughs> because while they were shooting this obviously he'd have to do everything with you know Army Hammer doing one performance and then he'd have to do it all again with Army Hammer doing a second performance and because he spends so much time with the twins throughout the film you know basically Max Mingella was on set probably for twice as long as anybody else <laughs> just kind of acting opposite these two different uh, army hammers. But I I think Max Minghella kind of, you know, the whole brown face thing aside, um, you know, he gives like a really good kind of performance of someone who, you know, like clearly kind of knows that the Winklevoss twins probably aren't going to win an Olympic medal. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so he's kind of, he has like a backup plan in mind. Mm. Like, you know, even before you know, when they say this is our guy and we smash cut to a deposition, which is, like I said, a great move uh, before they before they even get into that. You know, he's got this idea of like, you know, he's he's the one who's found Mark Zuckerberg. He's the one who's read this article. He's the one who's like spotted something and he's bringing it to the twins. And like the deal between the three of them, you know, like in the in the kind of, you know, the the, the few scenes that they're actually together in, you know, most of it is, uh, you know, particularly later on when you have the string of emails, which is an amazing scene where <laughs> they keep bouncing between depositions and emails going backwards and forwards. And you cut to like, you know, the twins with Divya and all like later on, there's a lot of that going on. And I think Max Mengele does a really good job of kind of. Uh, you know, distinguishing himself from the two army hammers and giving just, you know, a different performance. Um, And, you know, feeling like someone who, um, you know, obviously the Winklevoss twins, you know, there's a certain level of entitlement, um, you know, something obviously that, you know, uh, will kind of be expanded upon as we get further into the film. Um, You know, but but with with Divya Narendra, you get the feeling of someone who has actually got there on his merits and, you know, he's trying to make the most of his time there and he's found the Winklevoss twins and he's like, okay, like these guys are going to be successful because how could they not be successful? Because, you know, and he's kind of, it almost feels like he's, he's, he's become friends with them, um, you know, as a way of being like, okay, when we finish Harvard, we are going to do this and we're going to be successful and that's how we make money. Mm. And he's kind of sees the Winklevoss. I know that's always the, the feeling I get is like, he's, he's their friend, but it's also for his benefit. Like, 
you know, this is not like a friendship where they're, you know, like they're, they're close personal friends because they've shared, you know, some kind of emotional, like, night out or something. Yeah. This is, this. it feels like there's a bit of a transaction going on between Divi and Arendra and the Winklevoss twins, which they obviously, they you know, they all seem to understand what it is, but that's how it feels to me, is like, this is this is not a person who, I, I feel like, weirdly enough, you know, the character of Divi and Arendra feels like a counterpoint to, um, to Eduardo. You know, Eduardo is a person who, you know, like is painted as someone who's kind of less privileged and who's kind of had to struggle to get where he is. And I think Divya is also painted in that same way as like, but in, you know, obviously in Eduardo's case, he's actually managed to find the guy who is going to be success. Yeah. <laughs> Divya Narendra has hitched his star to some people who aren't going to be as successful. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I always see them as kind of like the counterparts. Um, you know, but Max Mengele doesn't get a huge amount to do in the scene because he's mostly delivering like the exposition of we found Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> this is what he's done. <laughs> um, you know, and it's like if anyone wants to read the Harvard Crimson's article, uh, which came out on the 4th of November 2003, it is titled Hot or Not? website briefly judges looks and it's worth saying as well you know like there's a list in there of like the you know the people that uh, mark zuckerberg had to apologize to which is listed in the next minute so i won't go into it here but it, it also says that you know um zuckerberg said there had been 450 visitors to the site who had voted on their peers photos at least twenty-two thousand times so the source for the twenty-two thousand, uh which obviously you know made its way into the trailer and various other things is Mark Zuckerberg himself. So, <laughs> so already there's a little bit of like myth making from Mark Zuckerberg, even at that very early stage. Like, you know, he might he might not have conspired to kind of, you know, um, do Eduardo out of a company that didn't exist or whatever the, the line is later on in the film. Um, but at this point, Mark Zuckerberg is willing to kind of give these numbers and say 22,000. And that's where that number comes from. So it's in, it's kind of interesting that that gets into the film because that is at least factually correct from the terms of like that's what was in the article so you know and also it, it, it's it's early on in the article as well like it's literally like the the fourth or fifth paragraph in so by the time um uh is it tyler or it's tyler who's reading it yeah so tyler says twenty two thousand page request he says that early enough that if he was actually reading the article it's it's like it's about the right time in the article that he actually gets to that mm. so uh, something I appreciate Fincher and Sorkin doing there is like, if you actually read the article at the same time that Tyler starts reading it, you probably will reach 22,000 just at the moment he says 22,000. <laughs> but I also find it's interesting that that 22,000 is repeated three times in this one scene. <laughs> um, just to kind of push it, you know, really get it hammered in that 22,000 is the is the, is the the kind of, is the number. Mm, mm. Um, but yeah, so we, we finish this minute, you know, before we get to the, you know, the, the administrative board hearing, which, you know, is the next minute, which we'll talk about tomorrow. Is there anything else that you think we need to cover in this minute? Uh, no, no. I was just uh, I, I was taken aback by the fact that the, the the Harvard newspaper is called the Harvard Crimson. That just sounds so ominous and like Freemason sort of like oh yeah yeah. This is this is something that seems a little bit like insidious insidious about having a newspaper. Your official newspaper <laughs> be called the Crimson. I was like oh okay. Well, 
Because, you know, yeah. I'm sure Harvard has its own <laughs> little secret societies and stuff. So it's like, it just struck me as been sort of tied into that kind of, it gave me that vibe for whatever reason. They do have secret societies. They're called the finals clubs. <laughs> <laughs> and the first, the first 10 minutes of this film are kind of about them. I mean, I don't, I don't know that they have a thing like the, the, the skulls. I don't think they've got a thing like that. But uh, yeah, the finals clubs are about as close as you get to secret societies at Harvard. Mm. Um, and obviously, due to this film, they're all pretty well known by now. Um, yeah, so uh, I well, I feel like you know that's about as much as we can say about this uh, this minute. So, uh, with it being uh, the Thursday episode, I was going to say, uh, do you have a particular favorite social network? And when I say favorite, I mean just uh, one that you tend to use the most, <laughs> probably at this point. I mean, or I mean, I mean, you know, you might you might have enjoyed the early days of MySpace. I don't know. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think um, I've only ever really been on two. And like, well, through, uh, the thing is now technically through uh, doing Batman, we have official Batman Twitters and whatnot. So I'm on that, but I don't. I've not delved deep, head deep into Twitter. I've just sort of been in there and been like, all right, I see what this is. But and then I'll use it for promotional purposes. It's the same exact same with Instagram. Uh, and so the only other, well, technically I was on three social networks in my life that where I was actually me there was Facebook, which I do use every day, uh, Bebo, which of course infamously just sort of faded into the ether, uh, and I didn't like it when I was there either, so I was like, oh, this seems a bit rubbish, but, uh, <laughs> and then I, I genuinely did really like MySpace, I thought it was a really good format, I th- like I, I preferred the kind of like, yes, you can personalize everything, and you can really make your page like evoke you like you can do literally whatever you want to it and it's um the fact then that like yes facebook seems to have succeeded and people almost seem to be attracted more to the uniform like no everything's exactly the same and you can put up your different pictures and whatnot but literally everything else is like yep the same layout and you know you don't get to choose your background colors or anything like that it's just like no everything's just the way we want it to be and then every couple of years, just to justify having the people we hired, we'll just change it a little bit for no reason. And then everyone will get up, go into an uproar about why have they changed this? And then they just, you know, get used to it after like a week or whatever. <laughs> but uh. yeah, um, I mean, here's the, I mean, I think uh, Bebo uh, was sold for, for I mean, the people who created it. I think they sold it for millions and millions. Was <laughs> um, money and well then... spent? Then? <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I think they sold it for, I don't know, like 15, 20 million, something like that. Enough for them to retire, basically. Um, and then the site was changed so much that, you know, basically it lost a ton of um, people who were using it and, you know, its numbers went down. And then they bought it back for like a dollar or something. Really? Uh, the, re- the original people who created Bebo, yeah. Holy and then crap. I think it la- it lasted for another couple of years after that and then they kind of just had to shut it down. Holy moly. Um and do you know the backronym that was given to Bebo to account for its name? No, no, I don't. This, I don't think it was what the actual site was named after, but uh, later on they claimed that it meant blog early, blog often. Uh, <laughs> Bebo, yeah. So, because that was the key thing. It was meant to be like, a, you know, like another kind of like, I don't know, GeoCities or whatever. You know, it was meant to be like a new blogging site. And that was that was like afterwards, that was kind of, when asked what it meant, that was the that was the explanation they gave for the yeah, gave I mean, I knew people it. who were into Bebo. Like, they were really like, this, yeah. this is the way of the future and stuff. And then when it, like, it <laughs> fell off, I was just like, I don't know why you invested so much in that website. But... Yeah, I mean, I, well, I mean, the, the the thing is as well is, you know, uh, I mean, something that I don't think anyone up to this point has brought up, but obviously Tumblr is technically speaking a social network. Mm. 
um you know that like it has like it has options to send messages and you know you 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 can have followers and all that kind of stuff it's just not like it's not public information like it just shows up as a blog and then all the you know all the kind of follower information and everything is just on your dashboard um but technically speaking it's a social network so <laughs> so um but yeah I, I i think tumblr has a whole different culture though that is very confusing to people who've never used tumblr and they don't quite understand it apart from when they see people post screenshots of stuff from tumblr like on facebook and then you're like, this seems like a really weird... There's, t- there's times where I've seen on Facebook someone share a post that is a tweet that is a screenshot from Tumblr. <laughs> and I'm like, I we are so far deep into this, I have no idea what to do with this information. Like, um, you know, it's layers upon layers. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, I guess people don't have like a favorite social network at this point. I think this far into it, people just use them for certain utility. Mm. And so it's like... You know, you've kind of got to use them, I think, at some point. Like you say, when it goes down, it's very hard to communicate with some people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you can't be spending all your time emailing people. I mean, you know, what are we, businessmen in 1993? <laughs> um, so <laughs> I feel like we said about as much as we can about this particular minute. Uh, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug now? Uh, yeah, I'll just plug uh, Bat Minute again. This is the podcast that I co-host with a friend of mine, John Parker. Uh, wherein we're going through all the Batman movies from 1989 through up to and including 1997, uh, one minute at a time. Uh, we've done the entire first movie, and uh, at the time of airing this, we'll be probably nearing the final quarter of Batman Returns, probably. So, um, yeah, it's, we have a good old time over there. Loads of guests, you know, do a pretty good deep dive in there. So uh, if people are interested in that, just come on over. And you can find us on MySpace at myspace.com slash the social minute and on Twitter at social underscore minute and on Facebook at the social minute podcast. Uh, thanks once more for being my guest here today, Niall. Oh, thanks for having me, Darren. And otherwise, see you tomorrow. Bye.